0: What's up and welcome to the Ask Father Josh Show, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, study them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you in your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular saint that God our Father desires for you to be. Um, If you're a first-time listener, shoot me an email with your feedback on today's show, at Josh at ascensionpress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes. That helps other people find out about the gift of the show. If it's a gift for you, it could potentially be a gift for them as well. You can hit me up with more questions, comments, and critiques um, at the same email as well, so that we can continue to accompany each other toward Jesus. On today's show, we're going to talk about Three very unique topics. We're going to talk about chapel veils uh, at mass, the mantillas, what's up with that? Um, I know a lot of people wore them back in the day. Not too many people wear them now, but some do. Am I supposed to wear them? Am I not supposed to wear them? What's up with all that stuff? Uh, We're going to talk about the interior freedom that a disciple of Jesus Christ is invited to experience um, in our walk toward eternity. And we're also going to talk about, with regards to the sexual act, the difference between natural family planning. And withdrawing. um, Withdrawals is the actual question. That's just a funny word, withdrawals. Try to say that fast three times withdrawals, withdrawals. (laughs) Sounds kind of funny. (laughs) All right, before we get to today's topics, I want to share with you a glory story. (laughs) A glory story this week just comes from my time I got to spend with Jesus recently. I went away to the Abbey. We all have our, our places that we like to go our sacred places, our near occasions of grace. For me, a near occasion of grace for me is St. Joseph's Seminary in Abbey College. That's where I was in seminary for four years. I absolutely love the monastery. I love the Abbey. Uh, I was able to go and pray there and spend some time with some holy people. And then I, I spent a lot of time just with the Lord in the in the woods, and I was walking throughout the woods, which I used to do all the time. When I was in seminary, I'd wake up early in the morning, and I'd pray in the woods, and then I'd go and pray in adoration. And so Uh, It was the evening and I was walking throughout the woods and talking to the Lord and just really having a great time with Jesus, like one on one away from the world. And it started getting dark. And so I was like, all right, you know, I should probably head back because when I was in seminary, there were so many times I I got lost. I'm very much directionally challenged. To this day, I'm still directionally challenged. I get lost all the time. I need a GPS when I drive. I even get lost with the GPS sometimes. And so there were times in seminary where I would wander off in the woods and I'd miss evening prayer. I'd miss the liturgy of the hours, uh, our time of communion prayer with the, the monks because I would be lost in the woods and it would take me forever to get back. And so I recognize the sun's going down. I should probably start heading back to the monastery because there's a chance that I might get lost. And as I was walking back, I started hearing something in the woods, and it was all these noises, and I was thinking, oh, man, like, what if this is, like, some kind of big animal that might attack me and kill me, and I don't want to die this way, Jesus, right? I I would rather die another way. I mean, your will be done, but I would rather be, and it could have been squirrels. It could have legit been birds and squirrels up in the woods. I don't know what it was, but it was a noise. And I was like, oh, man, Jesus, I'm not trying to die this way. And so I started walking extra fast and slightly running. Um, and I started praying the, the Psalm 23, and the Lord is my shepherd. And, uh, and then I said, like, Jesus, I just really want to drink. I said, if, if I die today, please just spare me long enough to get a drink. And then you can take me tonight. I'm in to state of grace. I've been in confession. But as a part of me, I just wanted to taste, <laughs> taste alcohol on my lips. Um, and uh, which is good, right? Because God's first miracle, Jesus' first miracle is he turned water into wine. And uh, in St. Francis of Assisi, right before he died, he asked for chocolate. And so chocolate and alcohol are pretty much the same thing, right? And, uh, and so I said, Jesus, please, just let me get some alcohol on my tongue before I die. And, and I, I survived. I survived. Clearly, as I'm recording this podcast, it's, it's an indication that I am a survivor. And uh, so that night, uh, the Lord granted me my life, and so I went. And, and I got a drink, and it was awesome. And so I was just grateful to not only spend a day in prayer and in the sacraments and in direction and um, and also just in the woods with the Lord and the scriptures and nature, but I was also very grateful that Jesus gave me the freedom to go and have a, a nice cocktail at the end of the night before I went to bed because it was it was nice. Uh, it was nice. Sometimes the Lord's like, you know, just go get some wine right now or something like that. I'm like, you're, you're a good God. You're a good, good Father. Uh, so that's my glory story is that God – Spared me <laughs> in the woods. And, uh, and he and I enjoyed uh, further conversation at a restaurant later that evening. So, following up from previous episodes, we got some feedback. First feedback comes in from Renee. Renee says, Hi, Father Josh. I saw this article on Facebook today. It mentioned your parish, Holy Rosary, and its great ministry to others. I was so excited when I saw the article about the Full of Grace Cafe. Um, that said every diocese could use a pro-life miniature like this one. Maybe this could count as a glory story. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, it's so beautiful. I was so grateful that they did the article promoting the cafe and all the beautiful work that the people in my parish are doing to to build the kingdom of God and to bring people to Jesus Christ and experience the love of Christ. I keep you in my prayers, and I thank you for this podcast. I love when you mention songs by Audrey Assad, such as I Shall Not Want,
1: and I shall not want... I shall not want <clears throat> When I taste your goodness, yo I, I shall not want
0: Oh, have you heard the song Known from House, the House You're Building album? Yeah, so I have. That's the first CD that I think Sa dropped a number of years ago, back in 2009 or ten. And I have that CD, and I've listened to every single song on that CD. However, I am not familiar with it off the top of my dome. Uh, she says, Known is it based off Psalm 139, my favorite song. Uh, I'm a total fangirl of Audrey's while trying to be careful t- of not committing idolatry. <laughs> praise God. Cause I don't want you to go to hell. Uh, take care and prayers for you. Thank you so much, Renee, for your prayers. Keep praying for me and for Audrey, who is, uh, has this great gift of, of music and praise and, uh, and pray for the people who come to receive our services at the Fuller Grace Cafe. Also, we have some feedback from Ryan. Ryan says, Father Josh, thank you so much for your reply to my question about European images of God's family. I appreciate the response, and I appreciate you doing a Black History Month show. Hopefully you will do one every year. I thought the explanation of how it must feel for black people to visit a white church was very good and hopefully will foster some empathy with your listeners. As for your response, I appreciate that you mentioned God appearing to people as their own ethnicity in visions and apparitions. I never considered this and appreciate that it gives a historical lens behind the white images. I have a very good friend of mine who is a Christian but has largely drifted away in identifying as a Christian because his perception that Christianity in practice encourages an elevation of whiteness. I agree with him in many ways. I did tell him that historically, at least until around the time of the Reformation, European images of Christ and God's family happened to be in European appearance because of ethnicity, but not for the purpose of excluding other races, which happened eventually during colonialism and slavery. This has been helpful for me to not see these icons as white to the exclusion of black or brown, but as depicting the painter's ethnicity And imagination, which happened to place God in his context. As a side note, please pray for me. I am Protestant and very much want to become Catholic. My wife is opposed to it. It has been about seven years that I've been leaning in this direction. I've talked with several priests about it, and at this point, I think I need to wait and pray for my wife to release and bless me to become Catholic. Add to this the dimension that I'm white and my wife is African-American. I think that she has some reservation about the perceived whiteness of Catholicism, although her opposition is mostly for theological reasons. I'm currently praying and asking Our Lady to intercede for my family and even appear to my wife in dreams. Yeah, that's happened to a number of people before. Um, sounds crazy to me as a Protestant, but if it's God's will, it will happen. I ask that you and your listeners pray for me as well. I greatly appreciate your show. I love your zeal, and I'm very thankful for you. I pray that God would use your show to inspire young men, especially young African-Americans, to become priests. Praise God, Ryan. I do, too. Um, I've actually had a number of um, young African-American children tell me Um, that I was the first black priest they've ever met. And so they didn't know that we could become priests. And by them seeing me as a priest, um, it's elicited those thoughts in their hearts and minds, which has been pretty cool. Uh, But also with regards to your wife, um, not only will I pray for her, but I would like to encourage you to ask her to shoot me some of her theological um, questions that she might have. I would love to dialogue with your wife um, about our faith and about, um, about her faith and just to see where, where we can walk with each other and how she and I can accompany each other toward Jesus. That would be super cool to walk with her um, and for her to inspire me and maybe me inspire her um, with the Lord and the way that he works in our lives. So praise God for that, Ryan, and thank you for your feedback. All right, on to today's questions. All right, so we have some really good questions, but I definitely want to start with a question uh, that is about freedom first, because the rest of the show will will operate through the lens of freedom. And and so, yeah, I'm super excited about today's show because everything's gonna flow through one particular lens. So, our question came in from uh, Simi from Florida at the Simi. Let me know if that's how you pronounce your name. Is it Simi or Simi? Um, you can't see me. You can't stop me now. It's like John Cena, you can't see me. Or is it Simi or Semi? I don't know. Uh, S-I-M-I. Simi from Florida, from Flo uh, All right. So Simi writes this. Simi says, Dear Father Josh, thank you for your prayerful, joyful advice. It's been very helpful for me. I especially enjoy when you hum and sing songs from random words you read off. Because if you didn't, I probably would, except without sounding as good. I wanted to comment on a previous topic and bring up a new one. I found myself agreeing with your response about the need to make our churches more inclusive, not in a cheap way, but a meaningful way that opens even wider the gates to holiness. I was thinking about how so many of my married friends were inspired and encouraged by the canonization of saints like St. Saint Gianna Mola and Louise and Zelly, the parents of St. Therese. Uh, although the church teaches that marriage is also a path to holiness, not just celibacy for the kingdom, it is a whole other level of encouragement and hope when you see brothers and sisters in your state of life join the cloud of witnesses. It takes away a sneaking, maybe even subconscious, lurking doubt that maybe it's almost impossible. In the same way, although I'm Indian, seeing your style, which is a different flavor than many other great Catholic speakers, made me breathe a little easier and feel relaxed. I hadn't even noticed that I didn't totally identify with the style of many other Catholic speakers because... I was busy being edified by their content. I realized that for whatever reason, I was somewhat associating being a good Catholic with certain cultural quirks, or perhaps doubtful that I can enjoy random stuff like Lauren Hill. So thank you for being you, yeah. Um, you got to enjoy Lauren Hill. The miseducation of Lauren Hill is one of the greatest albums to have ever been released ever. Ever. Such a a good album. Uh, Now for my question. For over a decade of my Christian life, I've been trying to focus a lot on building virtues, praise Jesus Christ, and trusting in Jesus. Recently, in addition to both of those through another season of renewal in the spirit, I'm realizing that Jesus also trusts me. I know this is true not only through my personal prayer, but also that he made me and all of us free. The church affirms this, and Jesus makes it plain in the scriptures. For me, this new life of freedom has been, to be honest, kind of discombobulating. I'm not just called to avoid sin, but to be free to co-create with him. Although this has brought me much joy, I'm also realizing I kind of don't even know what to do with this beautiful true freedom. The poem about the Grand Inquisitor by, uh, oh shoot, how do you say this word? (laughs) Dostesvi? Yeah, that word. Dostes- oh, my goodness. Oh, that D word. <laughs> I'm having a ball right now. However you say that name has taken on a whole other meaning from me all of a sudden. I noticed that the introduction of your podcast respects your listeners interior freedom and you seem to have a generous amount yourself. So I thought I'll ask you. Could you share some insights on how to welcome our God-given freedom to love, to rejoice, and to live deeply? Oh, your question is probably one of my favorite questions now of this entire podcast because Freedom has been, like, that is, that's what I operate out of, right? Freedom. I remember years ago I was discerning um, living out a specific religious charism as a diocesan priest and the mother founders for this particular community, the servants of the pierced hearts of Jesus and Mary, in Miami, Florida, Florida. so you might want to holler at Mother Adela if you're in Miami. Um, she said uh, to me, like, she said, Josh, I want you to be free. Like, I don't want you to be forced to live out this charism. If you grow in holiness through our charism, then, like, please stick with it as long as you want. But if you ever find that you're not, like, you're free to go. And it was the first time I felt free. I've always felt forced before that. And it just, the joy that came from that freedom, right, of, of uh, oh, it's so good. So freedom is everything. Uh, there's a gospel song called Oh Freedom. How does it sound?
1: <clears throat> Here we go. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom over me. And I know there'll be a day Then there's something, something, something Singing, oh, 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 freedom over me Oh, 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 freedom I love that, freedom Freedom, freedom and this is, I think, I think Beyonce has a song called Freedom, huh? Freedom, freedom, I can't move. Freedom, where are you? Hey, hey, freedom, freedom, something, something. Something, something, some. I can't something, something, something. Mmm, Freedom. <laughs>
0: I'm working off of only one cup of coffee today, too. So imagine me with two. So here's what I would say, all right, because freedom is everything. So my friend, Dr. Tom Neal, who is just, uh, he's like my my muse as far as just my my spiritual life. Um, he uh, has spoken a lot about freedom and discernment and with regards to freedom. And I walk toward eternity, and he has a lot of insight. So I'm going to share with you insights that I have received from him um, and through him from Dr. Peter Creef as well. Um, and so we're going to start with Dr. Peter Creef. Um, he says this. If God has one right choice in everything you do, then you can't draw any line. That means that God wants you to know which room to clean first, the kitchen or the bedroom, and which dish to pick up first, the plate or the saucer. You see, if you carry out this principle's logical implications, it shows itself to be ridiculous, unlivable, and certainly not the kind of life that God wants, the kind described in the Bible and the lives of the saints. But the authentic principle of discernment asserts that many diverse things are good. The good is plural. Even for some, the same person, there are often two or more choices that are both good. Many roads are right. The road to the beach is right, the road to the mountains is right, for God awaits us in both places. Goodness is multicolored, only pure evil lacks color and variety. In hell, there's no color. No individuality. Souls are melted down like lead or chewed up together in Satan's mouth. The two most uniform places on earth are, get this, prisons and armies, but not the church. So Dr. Neil teaches this. He says that God has a, a general will for us, which is absolutely clear and is absolutely binding on us always. That would include, for example, the moral teachings of the church. Don't cheat on your wife. Give to the poor. Forgive those who sin against you. Use your gifts and service to others, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But within the parameters of God's general will and what St. Bernard called the will of good pleasure, there's lots of room for play and for Active and creative cooperation with him, God, that contributes to and doesn't just exclude the unfolding of his will. And we can be confident that we're doing his will precisely because our will is already seeking after God's general will. So St. Augustine called this love and do what you will. Um, So uh, Peter Creep put this spin on, on freedom. He says we have freedom in choosing how we are best to love God with our life. God in giving us free will said to us, your will be done, and some of us turn back to him and say, "My will is that your will be done." That's obedience in the first and the greatest of the Ten Commandments. Uh, we do that; he turns to us and he says, "Okay, and now I want your will to be done." And then he writes the story of our lives with the pin of guess what, our own free choices. Uh, the spiritual director for for Doctor Peter Creve, Father Anthony. Manaccio, um, quote Mother Teresa, or this might be Dr. Tom Neal, um, at a crucial juncture in his own discernment. This is actually Dr. Tom Neal, not Peter Grief, I'm sorry. Uh, he says, Tom, it's in your hands now to choose your future and to make something beautiful for God, something only you can make, so, so choose well. Um, his retreat master one time said to him, do these and then you can choose and be at peace. So this is what you need to do. Seek after purity of heart, mapping God's will, Seeking to love God and neighbor, being faithful in the present moment to the details of your daily duties anchors all faithfulness in future decisions. While being sloppy in the present sets you adrift. Remain obedient to church teachings. Repent when you fail. Use good judgment. Seek counsel from wise people who will kick and not kiss your heinie. Beg for the grace to be docile to the movements of the Holy Spirit, so that you can act in harmony. And then discerning would not be burdensome, mechanical, anxiety-ridden, but it brings joy and peace. Dr. Peter Cree follows up with this. He says this, um, in education, there are two extremes. You can be too modern, too experimental, too Duane, too structuralist. But you can also be too classical and too rigid. Students need initiative and creativity and originality too. God's law is short. He gave us, get this, 10 commandments, not 10,000 commandments. Why? Why not a more complete list of specifics? Because he wanted freedom. Freedom, freedom. God wants freedom and variety. That's why he created so many different persons, not just one, because he loves different personalities. He wants us to, to, to sing in harmony, but not in unison. Like discerning and doing God's will should be like married sex. As long as you stay within God's law, no adultery, no cruelty, no egotism, no unnatural acts, as for example, contraception, anything goes. Use your imagination. Is there only one way that God wants you to make love to your spouse? That's a silly question. Making love to your spouse is a great good, and it's God's will. He wants you to decide to be tender or wild, moving or still, loud or quiet, so that your spouse knows it's you and not anyone else, not some book deciding. Whoa. Whoa. Is that not awesome? So that's what freedom is all about, right? Freedom. Thomas Merton, he, he gave us this last piece of wisdom that I'll close with with regards to like discernment and how do we know we're doing right, we're choosing right with our freedom. It's this beautiful prayer. He said, My Lord and my God, I have no idea why I'm going. I did not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you Does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I would never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never lead me to face my perils alone. Praise God, right? God just wants us to follow his commandments. And then be free to be me, be free to be you. We're all called to be saints, but every saint looks different. So look at your personality, look at your likes, pay attention to your desires and do them insofar as they are in accordance with his law. As in they follow loving God and loving our neighbor. Go for it. Right. Um, We don't all have to look alike. But I think if we can like operate out of that kind of freedom right there then we could change the world. Because, see, a lot of people want every saint to look alike. That's why some people, like, legit, like, some people don't like my ministry. They're like, oh, man, Father Josh is to whatever. Or they might say, um, Father Dwight Longnecker is too whatever, or Bishop Barron's to whatever, or Father, uh, who's that guy, the uh, the big exorcist dude, uh, Father uh, Ripperger, or whatever. Like, we're all different, right? We're all different. We're all trying to be saints. We're all trying to be holy. And some people say we're, you know, this person's is too this. And it's like, well, look, look. As long as all of us are living in a state of grace and all of us are trying to be obedient and faithful to God by loving him and our neighbor, like we're going to have different personalities and we're going to have different gifts and we're going to draw different people to the same God, Jesus. So, uh, yeah. So be you. Be you so that you can, in your own unique way, be the disciple you're called to be and draw other people who I can't ever reach because I'm not you and who someone else can't ever reach. So follow your passions and just make sure your passions and your desires are... uh, in order, uh, in proper order of the law of God. So that's my advice to you. Follow freedom, freedom in love. Fall in love, stay in love, and you'll do everything well with God. All right, so that's our first question. We're going to take a quick break and pay attention how I answer the the next two questions on today's show with regards to chapel veils, the mantillas, and also with regard to um, natural family planning and the sexual life in marriage. Um, do, do you have any other advice for seeing me? If you do, hit me up at askfatherjosh at com, And we're going to take a quick break And when we come back, we're going to hit up our final two questions
2: Every one of us is made in the image of God We are unique Worthy of love And called to greatness In this world though We can be distracted from that truth and begin to doubt God's love is real. You see, we live in a world that tells us we are not smart, attractive, thin, or rich enough. It is easy to focus on the ways we fall short of worldly perfection and forget that we are already made perfect. We are already enough. I'm Danielle Bean, author of You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth. You Are Enough dives into the stories of women in the Bible so that you can fully see God's plan for your life. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon.
0: All right, we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at Josh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, record a voice note, send that to me as well. We'll play it on a future show. And do not forget, to rate us and review us on iTunes or other podcast formats so that other people can find out about the gift of the show. Okay, our next question comes in from New to the Faith. New to the Faith writes this, Dear Father Josh, I've been meaning to send you a message much sooner. I'm happy that I finally got around to it now. I'm quite new to the church. In fact, I'll be confirmed next week at the Easter vigil. So this would have been last week in August different time, whatever, but cool. Praise God. Praise God. Um, I was lucky enough to attend my first Latin mass in Port Elizabeth in South Africa. I wore my veil to this mass and I absolutely loved the feeling of being hidden and humbled in front of our Lord. Although last year we traveled to Portugal and I attended a Latin mass there in Lisbon, but I did not have my veil with me and was dressed quite sporty. We happened to be in the area, so I could not go home and get my veil for change. I felt out of place amongst all the other women. They were all dressed so modestly and had their heads covered. It was a beautiful sight to see. Ever since I first wore my veil back in South Africa, I've had this urge to keep wearing it. I'm not sure if God is calling me to wear my veil to an ordinary mass, as we do not have mass in the extraordinary form in Namibia. 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 Never heard of that place. But I just can't help but feel that God is God, whether it's extraordinary or ordinary mass. Amen to that, sister. He is. Same Eucharist. Um, I often look at Mary, our mother, and observe how she always wore a veil. She's been a big part of my conversion to the Catholicism. Another thought that keeps me awake at night is a quote I read by a devout Catholic man. He said that he was envious of women, for they can humble themselves in public by covering their heads. They can show reverence for Jesus present in the Eucharist by putting on a veil. Although most people I have spoken to told me that it is old fashioned and not necessary. Someone mentioned that it would be more distracting in mass or for others than anything else. My question is, is are they right? As I will be the only person in my town who will be wearing a veil. Thank you, Father, for taking the time to help me with this. Have a blessed day further. New to the faith. Yo, so first of all, new to the faith. They are not right um if they can't keep their eyes on Jesus because of your veil, then that's something disordered in their own walk with Jesus Christ. Whether a woman is wearing a veil or not wearing a veil um should not um, distract someone from being able to worship at mass right Mass is about worship of God, and so if i am if I'm not able to worship because of a woman not wearing a veil at mass or because a woman is wearing a veil at mass then that's an interior problem for me to figure out myself, right? I can't put that on you. That's my own issue. So don't ever let anyone tell you that you should not wear a veil if you feel the Holy Spirit is drawing you to wa- wear a veil, right? That's for your discernment. And so if you feel the desire to, whether you're the only one doing it or, or everybody's doing it, um, make sure that you're responding to the Holy Spirit's invitation for you, right? Is the Holy Spirit calling every single woman in the Catholic Church to wear a veil? Um, not necessarily. Um, that's that's not church teaching. Uh, the Code of Canon Law of 1983, uh, it, it does not contain a requirement that women cover their head in church. Um, Cardinal Burke, uh, who uh, he said that um, in, a, in a private letter, he wrote that the wearing of a chapel veil for women is not required. Uh, when women assist at the Holy Mass according to the ordinary form of the Roman Rite, It is, however, expected that women who assist at Mass in the extraordinary form cover their heads, um, as was the practice at that time of the 1962 Missal. Um, however, it's not a sin if you don't, so you still have a choice, right? It's expected to, but it's suggested, but you don't have to, right? Um, so it's, it's really up to your own personal discernment. But again, for some people, they might wonder, well, why, why do some people wear the veil? Um, so this goes into a little bit of theology real quick. So the church is the bride of Christ. Every man, every woman who is baptized, we are all the bride of Christ. All of our souls are what was called feminine, right? Like we're all receptive of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And at the end of our lives, if we persevere by God's grace and our walk toward eternity, we will become saints and we'll be in heaven with our bridegroom. We as bride, him as bride. Like the whole Bible is a love story. It's a marriage between the Lamb of God and his bride. And so we will be with our spouse, Jesus Christ forever and ever, forever, forever, ever. And it'd be really great, really cool, right? And so, In heaven, the gospels make it very clear that we are neither married anymore or given in marriage. We'll be like angels. We won't become angels. We'll be saints. But we'll be like them in that we're not married to anyone else but the Lord, but Jesus Christ. And so some people on earth... Um, become celibate for the sake of the kingdom, and it's in the Gospels, right? Saint Paul was celibate for the sake of the kingdom. There are many virgins in the Gospels who were celibate for the sake of the kingdom. And so, one of the cool things about like religious sisters is religious sisters are brides of Christ. Not only in their souls, um, but like they're actually they marry Jesus Christ. Like that's their bridegroom. Now they're not waiting for heaven to marry him. Um, they're saying, "I want to marry Jesus Christ now." I've discerned this with my bishop, with my superiors, and I'm being called by Christ to be to live this marriage now. Um, same thing as consecrated virgins. So cool thing is that every time we see a nun, a bride of Christ, we are automatically pointed to think about God. They are what's called eschatological witnesses. And they point us to the wedding feast that all of us are called to hopefully experience if we persevere by God's grace. The same thing that happens whenever we see a nun, a religious sister, um, can happen as well whenever we see a woman wear a veil. right? Like Our Lady, every Catholic woman Is a living icon, right, in the church. So when a woman veils herself in the presence of the Eucharistic Lord, it's a visible reminder for all of our spousal relationship, the bridal relationship between Jesus Christ and the church that St. Paul clearly uh, expounds upon in the the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians church. Um, And so... Uh, the veil becomes almost, in a sense, like a a visual sermon. It's a visual statement. Like she, it, it preaches just by its very, very being. Um, so, uh, if you choose to do this, um, just make sure you're doing it for Jesus, like for your love of Him, not because anyone else is doing it and you're looking at anybody else. Like remember, whenever Jesus spoke to Peter um, in John 21, He said, "Don't look at John. Like don't worry about what I'm doing with John. You follow Me." So if you feel called by God, don't worry about the Johns in your church, you're Peter and you follow him, right? Do it for love of Jesus, right? Do it out of your love for him. And don't think though that you're right because you're doing it and other people who aren't doing it are wrong. Or don't think people who wear it are wrong and you're, you're right for not wearing it. Right? Let's not be closed minded people. I'm not saying that's how you feel. I'm saying that's how some people act. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, just keep your eyes on Jesus. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus, your witness might inspire those people who are hating on you, saying that you would distract. And it might help them to keep their eyes on Jesus, too. Like Lauren Dago says in that song,
1: keep your eyes on Jesus, something like that.
0: So let me know what y'all think. you have any other additional advice for new to the faith? Hit me up at Ask Father Josh at essentialpress.com and let me know. All right. Final question comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous says this Hey, Father Josh, I first would like to tell you how much I love your podcast. My husband and I listen every week. That's so cool that y'all listen every week. It's um, so cool. I love how you keep it real, keeping it real, like J Lo, because I'm real the way you talk, the way you walk, uh, and how you truly care. Uh, you are a blessing more than you know. Thank you so much, Anonymous. I'm writing to you in the hopes that you can explain something to me in a way that I can understand and accept. A bit of a backstory. Creator Catholic who was away from the church for many years, college through my early 30s. Getting married and having three beautiful kids brought me home to Jesus, and I'm now so excited to reconnect with my faith. I'm totally on board with pretty much everything the church teaches except one, the church teaching on birth control. Here's the thing. I just do not understand why things like the pill, condoms, etc., are wrong. My husband and I stopped using any form of artificial birth control about a year ago, I started looking into NFP, but felt the classes were more geared toward newly married, engaged couples. It was really overwhelming. My husband and I have been married 10 years, and he really doesn't see why the using the withdrawal method is wrong. Can you please explain to me uh, why that method of family planning is worse than NFP? Both are used to plan t- time pregnancies. Both have the possibility of life. I'm turning 40 this year. Yikes. And my husband just turned 50. We're not at a phase in our lives to be having more babies We want to follow Mother Church, but the whole process of learning NFP is intimidating. Most of our peers are either on birth control or have had procedures done, such as vasectomies. Is the withdrawal method really so wrong? I feel we're united, we're connected, and the possibility of life is still there. Please explain to me this in a way I can understand. Thanks so much for all you do. We keep you in our prayers. Peace. Yeah, that is a great question. So um, biblically speaking, like this is actually a, a serious sin, withdrawing. Um, withdrawals, with just you know, such a funny word, withdrawals. Like, like you got dirty draws. Withdrawals, withdrawal, withdrawing from the sexual act is wrong. Pulling out is wrong because in the Old Testament, when Onan did that, he spilled his seed on the floor and and the ground, and he he, he died. Um, because he abused the the act, the sexual act. The sexual act is for two reasons, for babies and for bonding. And there might come a moment in your, pregnant, in your life whenever you can no longer have babies for whatever reason, um, it, then sexual act is still called for bonding and for bringing about just a new life within your, your relationship with your husband and your spouse. Um, and the spiritual shows that you're called to foster as well um, through your marriage. However, whenever we, we withdraw um, from the two becoming one flesh, especially with the... The option of the semen connecting with the, the egg, um, the 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 danger is is your intention is like I'm definitely pulling out to show that I don't want life to happen. Whenever we have sex during the periods of fertility and infertility, um, and natural family planning, um, at least we're giving like a greater option of if God wants a baby to come, even though this is an infertile time, like there's still an option for the Holy spirit to really go do some work here. But whenever one pulls out of the sexual act and, and releases the semen anywhere else that is not um, in the, in the sexual act, in the body of the woman um, there's, there's a, a clear choice saying like, I don't want that, that part of your body. Like, I, like I'm not loving your fertility right now. I love everything else I love the pleasure I get from you, but I don't love your fertility. It's, it's almost as if um, you ate a meal for pleasure and then you threw it up after. So it's like um, I, I don't want the fruit of eating the meal. And so when we pull out of the sexual act, that's essentially what we're, we're saying with our bodies is, is I, I really am not open. Whereas an NFP, even if you're having sex during a time where you're not likely to have a baby, at least there's a chance that if God willed it, if God wanted it, you're still saying, "God, I'm I'm surrendering this to you with clarity." Um, yeah, and I, I get it. NFP is it can be difficult. I mean, I don't get it because I don't do it myself because I'm a priest, I'm celibate, but I walk with couples who do it, and um, and this is just part of like this is the reality of marriage. It's like, all right, like this is a sacrifice that we're gonna make, but we're gonna be open. Like if if God wants to give you another child at 15, at 40. And then trust that he will give you the grace to, to, to be good, holy parents to that child. And that child might become a great saint. And that child might help other people get to heaven. Um, and if he doesn't want you to have any more kids at 15 and at 40 or 40 plus, trust me, like you're going to use NFP and you're not going to get pregnant because God's a part of this picture too. It takes three people um, to to form life, you, your husband, and God. And there's a greater chance for you to show God that you're open to life being formed whenever you use natural family planning and whenever we don't use natural family planning um, we're showing him that that we're really not that open to that. Uh, but again, this is where freedom is involved. What form of NFP do you want to use? Right. There are so many different options. Some forms of NFP. I, I, I'm not going to say which ones because I don't want to you know knock anybody that doesn't. But some of them aren't the best. Right. There are some that are really not that well. And there's others that are. I mean, so you can just check out all the different, there's the simple thermal method, there's the Billings, there's the Creighton. There's so many different forms of natural family planning that you can look into that might work best for you and your husband. So I just really want to encourage you to, like, really lean into Christ in prayer and ask him, just, God, give me the grace. There's a song from Matt Marr.
1: Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need
0: you. Right. So we're like constantly crying, Lord, I need you. And especially in this area, like right now, right? like there's like, I need you to give me your grace in the sexual act. Right. Um, To discern in freedom, choose which form of NFP is best for us. Um, And I need your grace to do it and to do it well, because it's going to be hard. Um, But, yeah, there's there's two two totally different actions that we're showing whenever we're withdrawing versus whenever we're staying in union um, and letting the Holy Spirit play his role in life happening in the future. So we're way past my normal time for the show. So I'm, uh, I'm just going to end with one universal point, freedom, freedom in Christ, freedom in Christ brings joy, freedom in Christ brings joy. As long as we follow the commands of the Lord, he wants us to be free, to be wild, to be fun, to be creative, to be quiet, to be ourselves. So be free and be the saint that God is calling you to be. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, I thank you for creating each and every single one of us with our own unique personalities and our own unique desires and our charisms and our gifts. and And it's the uniqueness of who we are as people. I thank you for the gifts that you've given to me that you've not given to other people that help me complement them in their walk. And I thank you for the gifts that you've given them that help them to purify me and to purge me and to just to walk with me toward becoming a saint. Lord, Lord, bless us in our walk toward you. Help us to become radical disciples who really trust, who really trust, and who really surrender on a daily basis, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, and year by year in our lives, Lord. I know it's difficult for so many of us. I know it's difficult for myself at times to be a saint, to try to be a saint, but Lord, With your grace, anything is possible. Even a sinner like me could become a great saint one day. And so, Lord, I ask that you just pour forth your blessings of your Holy Spirit upon each one of us. Every single person who listens to this podcast right now with our hands wide open, give us your spirit. Give us a spirit to imitate Christ, to be radical, and to imitate Jesus Christ crucified so that we can experience the joy that comes with the resurrection. The joy of the resurrection. We trust in you, Jesus. We trust in you, Jesus. Jesus, we trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, y'all. I cannot wait to continue walking with you toward eternity next week. Say some prayers for me. I'm going to be in Canada this week with Sister Miriam and James and Heather and Michelle from the Abiding Together podcast. And, uh, and I look forward to sharing those graces with y'all when we get back. God bless.